Released on Sunday, March 20th, 2016. This Agile Life, episode 107. Ypsilanti, safe space. (laughs) The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro. Joining me, we have Lee McCauley. John, it's great to be back with you. Oh, Lee, it's great to be back with you. I've been away for a while uh, in my cave with the boulder rolled over in front of the entrance so no one would bother me, (laughs) but I'm back. What is it that your shirt says, Lee? Airspeed? Uh, This is the airspeed uh, of an unladen swallow. And there's a mathematical function underneath that uh, provides the correct answer. I think you should include a link to that T-shirt in the show notes. (laughs) Because I think I might want to get one. (laughs) I have to to find it. Okay. Also with us, Amos King. Uh, Mine's a laden swallow (laughs) T-shirt. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> Yours looks like Air Apostle. I'm not near that cool. No, it's a Rocky Mountain National Park. Established in 1915. So they just had their 100th anniversary. And he's got beer spilling all over his desk and keyboard. It exploded. Okay, today in this episode of This Agile Life, we're going to be talking about a lean principle. So we're going to deviate a little bit from our traditional talk on Agile, although, of course, these things are quite well-related. And uh, the I wanted, to, I wanted it to kind of be a surprise for Amos and Lee, so I didn't give them a lot of information. So the topic tonight is this concept of amplify learning, okay? What does that mean, John? What does that mean? I'm going to ask you what that means, Amos. I, I know this person, very well-intentioned person. Runs around all the time. You probably know a person like this. Runs around all the time and says, Ice? <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost like Tice, but very similar. Runs around all the time saying, we need to amplify learning. We need to amplify learning. We need to amplify learning. Well, guys, what do you think it is, is meant by amplify learning? It could be it could be spreading the knowledge of the uh, the software around to uh, the whole team. That that's exactly what I was going to say, and so now I don't have anything witty to add to it. Ha ha! Beat you to it. <laughs> okay, that of that to me is the what I think is would would be the 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 common guess for people is to say we're going to amplify, which means increase or uh, grow, right? And learning seems to imply knowledge. So it sounds like knowledge sharing. It's a lot better than just learning louder. It is not, (laughs) however, knowledge sharing. It is not? It is not. Okay, what is it? So I shall endeavor to tell you what it is. Uh, I I think it's really... A, a simple concept. In, in, in 1975, as you guys probably are aware, a gentleman named Fred Brooks. You guys know Fred Brooks? Mm, nope. 
He wrote, yes, you do. You just don't recognize the name. He wrote the book, The Mythical Man Month. Oh, yeah, I know that. Of course. (laughs) You know that, Amos. We all know that. Okay, in the book in 75, he says, plan to throw one away. You have to anyway, okay? In 1995, when he comes out and he writes, like, the, the new version of Mythical Man Month, he says, I was all wrong. You don't build one to throw it away. The waterfall model is wrong. And he says, what you really want to do is incrementally and progressively refine software. Okay, and how do we do that in Agile is the question I now ask you. How do we incrementally grow software in Agile? By getting something quickly done and then asking the customer what they really want. Lee, you uh, are again. on fire tonight. <laughs> Lee is on I, fire. I like the easy questions. Lee, you better watch it. Your hair is going to turn red like mine if you get too hot. Mm. It looks kind of red on Skype. That's the right answer. Amplifying learning is all about increasing what we as a group, what we as a software development team can learn, but learn from our users, from our customers, from the people in the business. And the way that we do that in Agile is by having short cycles, short iterations, quickly iterating on something, putting a prototype out there and getting feedback, right? We're all about feedback. In, uh, in, in project plan driven projects, like in waterfall projects, feedback is negative. And you, you know why feedback is negative? Because it screws up the project plan. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Well, the thing is, you spent all that time figuring out exactly what you needed. You don't need the feedback. <laughs> you don't want it. Well, not, that, not why, at that point. Why do you, why do you need it? It's, it's not perfect. that you don't want it. It's that you don't need it. You've already done the research. I don't need to listen to what the cus- the users need or or anybody because I already figured that all out when we started. Right. It's already all perfect. Don't give me any feedback because feedback's just going to screw up my Gantt chart. Oh, I just threw up a little bit. Ugh. Every time I hear Gantt chart, I throw up a little bit. I, I thought it was a Nat chart, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think if you look at amplifying learning, I think we can say that progressive refinement of software, progressively iterating over software, small releases of software, and then gathering feedback, ultimately that's what amplifying learning is. Strange term for it, but okay. I went into my library. I have this giant library at my house. It's like three stories tall. And I tried to find my my canonical book on the amplification of learning, which is Lean Software Development by Mary Poppendike. And I can't find the book. I don't know where it is. I'm going to have to order another one from Amazon. But chapter two in that book is entitled Amplify Learning. And I'll put a, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But if you go and take a look at that, and you can actually find a PDF of that chapter online that you can take a look at for free. And then, of course, buy the book and support Mary and her husband who helped her write the book, you'll find a lot of this out and all the explanations of, of how the amplification of learning works in the context of lean software development. So the question that I have at this point then with 
uh, after we've talked a little bit about amplifying of learning is how do you take a team through the stages of software development and ensure that you're amplifying learning? So I, I think the idea is to get feedback very quickly. And uh, I would like teams to realize that it doesn't have to come from an end user necessarily. You can start getting feedback immediately. Uh, things like code reviews, um, which I know a lot of teams do that can give you some feedback, but whenever you do your code reviews, also pull down the code and run it and check everything and step through it because that allows you to give feedback to the original person. You also are a first line user at that point and you get to see what's going on. And so I always try to get teams to push that feedback cycle even long before it's been deployed. I think uh, another key feature that I've seen in a lot of, especially larger companies, is they're afraid to release partial features. And I think if you if you're not if you can uh, get past the fear, then you will get a lot of feedback quickly on the on the partial feature that you've got, which may change the uh, the outlook and the design of the full feature. And to some people, your partial feature is a full feature. Exactly. You will find out that, oh, my gosh, we don't have to add those other 10 things that we're going to add to this because everybody says, stop. This is exactly what we need. That's the beauty of continuous delivery. And I think it's really I think continuous delivery really lives in the heart of amplifying learning. Uh, at least as an engineering practice to help us enable the ability to amplify learning. I think what a lot of organizations fall back to, Lee, to your point about releasing the software frequently, is that, oh, we can't possibly afford to release things that are incomplete or that haven't been fully vetted or gone through our yada, yada, yada process, right? Uh, What we have to do is we have to work with our customers and our business to come up with a way that we can release incomplete things. And it doesn't have to be to production. And I think that's the key. Uh, I worked with a company uh, that I won't name, but they were a giant home delivery pharmacy company and they couldn't afford to put software into a production pharmacy that was not finished. So we had, uh, we had, we had what were essentially, pretend pharmacies, you know, that we would put the software into. It was like a beta group and we had users that they dedicated to that beta environment. And we would, we would take time off hours in the evenings going through the software and we would do, you know, side by side comparisons of this is how it works. If we do it in the new system, this is how it works in the, in the production system. And we could really at that point amplify the learning because we are doing short iterations on what the customers and the business had told us they wanted. And then we showed them in a couple of weeks, we showed them what that was. We are greatly able to amplify the learning because there's no better way we know today to show progress than through working software. And as you see the working software, then you really get a sense of, oh yeah, that's what I told you to do. 
And that's what I thought I wanted it to do. But now that I see the way it works, the way I really want it to work is like this. And it's like this giant explosion of the knowledge, a giant explosion of learning that occurs when you put your hands on the software and you actually use it. Well, and and hopefully you've delivered that early enough in the process that you're not delivering a giant feature, we'll call it, just that has been built around that thing that you've just been asked to change. Tell me more about what you mean by early and and giant feature. How, how, how early is early and how giant is giant? How early is early? Um, so I, I think that it's kind can, of like, what is the def, what's your definition of is, is President <laughs> Clinton. Um, the, uh, how early is early is really hard to answer. I, I think that a single story can be delivered and held. And for a single story for me, I like to say one and only one acceptance criteria. Um, so if you are, uh, let's say that you have a, a field, um, that has some validations and it has four or five validations, let's say, uh, let's say a zip code, right? So you, so you have a zip code and it's got, it can be five digits or, uh, what is it? A plus four. Is it plus four? That's for U.S. only. Yeah, well, I know, but I'm. You pick such mundane examples here. What? What? what do you have a great example? No. Of something that has validations. <laughs> um, so you have like these multiple levels of validations that you could do, and each individual validation to me would be an individual story because it has one and only one acceptance criteria, and you could deliver those one at a time. Uh, to it, to the customer, even all the way down to the end user, it's better to get some validation than none. Um, and even let's say when you're starting out, you, your website can take in an email address. I would rather people type in their email address and some of them be not really email addresses than go through the validation stuff and deliver it two or three days later. Cause we'll okay. start. So here's what would happen in, in a waterfall environment with, with, your mundane example, Amos, that I just made fun of you about, zip code validation, we would have a joint application development session. We would have a JAD session, and we would bring in all of the zip code experts from around the company, and we'd sit down and we'd discuss how to validate zip codes. Who gives a shit? <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> so put the damn zip code field out there. Don't put a friggin' validation on it until somebody says, hey, uh, this should only be five digits in length. Well, and somebody else says, no, that doesn't work for Canada because they have six uh, six spaces in their zip codes and it's alphanumeric. And if 99% of your users, let's say if 80% of your users are putting the zip code in correctly, no problem, and they're not messing it up at all, who cares? Right. I mean, but, I mean, you ultimately do care because you want to get those other 20%. But without having a zip code at all, maybe you don't have any customers. And, and previously, I think we would have probably spent $50,000, $100,000 in terms of people's time to sit around a table and pontificate about all of the corner cases of zip code validation. But if anybody needs some zip code validation experts that they want to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on, I believe all three of us are available for probably one or two days next week. 
like about, we, about three hundred thousand, right? Two days. That's about right. Like you've said in the past, Amos. If anybody wants a big box of user requirements, we'd be happy to deliver them. That's for, right. For hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> what do you, Lee? What do you think about the this and in, in the context of continuous delivery? Because you kind of brought this up, and and getting the getting that software in front of users quickly. What have you experienced? Has it been has it been onerous to try and get software released regularly to your users or has it been kind of what people are expecting? Um, I think that, I think the thing that, that I mentioned the very first time was what I've experienced the most, which is the fact that uh, people are afraid to get something out that isn't perfect. Right. And, uh, and so for validations uh, they would, um, uh, I can see where there are times when you really do need uh, some particular piece uh, done up to a certain standard before you release it, right? It makes perfect sense. Legal requirements? Exactly. Those are the only ones I can think of. Um, there are there are government things that you will be, uh, you know, sued if you don't do it exactly right. HIPAA requirements if you're doing healthcare things and stuff like that, right? So there are some things that you ju- you just cannot release until the thing works perfectly, uh, but those are really rare. rare. And everything else, uh, you're not you're not trying to take the space shuttle up, and that and you've only got one shot, right? Uh, as John said, I've seen a lot of places that will uh, they'll identify one small user group that these people are willing to go and actually use the thing for real and they've got a fallback plan. So if something goes drastically wrong, they can always roll back or they can always uh, go back to a previous method and there it's not a disaster. So let those people uh, do what they want get their feedback and go from there. And, and the thing is it doesn't have to be perfect. You, you brought up the space shuttle so on Pi Day, uh, March fourteenth, yeah, Monday, we uh, I, I went to a user group and we had a talk and about um, math and Ruby and Pi, and uh, somebody stated that the first um, rocket that went to space they had to have Pi and uh, some of their formulas that the computers dealt with, but they just rounded it to three, <laughs> and it worked great. We made it into space and we made it back. So sometimes it's okay to get things partway there. Well, that is actually what it, there's some, there's some uh, figures that you can derive in the, in the old Testament um, that if you actually derive pi from those figures, it, it is three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where that takes us. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even sure where that came from. No. <laughs> Uh, that that completely knocked me on my heels, Lee. Well done. I was not at all prepared for a biblical reference from End you. of show. Thanks, guys. We're coming up. There, According there, to God, pi is three. Okay. <laughs> also tr- known as Trinity. Okay. In the beginning, there was man and woman. Uh, no, wait a second. We're going the wrong way with the podcast. <laughs> So that 
there there are certainly situations where it's life or death, but those situations are are infrequent. And there's still amplification of learning that can happen in those environments. Think of all of the simulators that that are behind space programs. Think of all of the simulators that are behind medical devices or medical software and all of the qualification stuff that's going on. It doesn't mean you have to deliver something perfect into those environments, but you want to deliver something regularly. You want to deliver something quickly where you can get that feedback from people, find out how it's actually working, and then amplify the learning through the use of the software and through the progressive refinement of the software rather than worrying about refining documentation. And I think that's the that's the important message here is let's not refine documentation. Let's refine working software. Let's so, not I, I have to I have an analogy here. My uh my daughter just recently got her learner's permit. Um uh oh which, stay off the roads. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. Holy cow. We yeah, can so here together. <laughs> we I uh I think software is often like driving in that uh you really want to make frequent small little changes uh so that so that you're not overcorrecting right if i if i steer too far i'm out of the lane i'm into the ditch right and sure i can get myself out but it's not going to be pretty it's not it's going to be painful right and to me it's the same thing with software you want to make a lot of small, tiny changes, and the quicker you can get the response, the better you're going to be at that. Don't oversteer. That's the important, the, I think the really important part there, Lee, is little changes quickly. And, and I'll give you, I'll take the space analogy here. I used to use this exact analogy with teams more than 15 years ago. And by the way, I was digging around as I was looking for that lean software book from Mary Poppendike. I found my original test-driven development manual from Kate, from the, the class that Brian Button gave back in, in 2003, the one I attended. And I was like, geez, uh, my test-driven development's older than some of my kids, which <laughs> made me feel really old. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Back in the day, I would tell this I, would, I told people, I said, imagine that you're launching the space shuttle towards, I don't know, some, some very distant location, right? It's, it would be much less expensive to make course corrections closer to the point of launch than much later, right? So if I planned out a mission and I said, we're going to go this direction and we end up going the wrong direction, how expensive is that if I course correct five days later as opposed to five hours later. So the, the more course corrections, the more quickly you can start making course corrections, the less expensive those course corrections ultimately are and the less waste that's involved. If I burn a lot of um, space shuttle fuel or rocket fuel to get five days away from where I launched from, I've consumed a lot more fuel, a lot more resources than I have if... I did it after five hours. So those little corrections that can start to happen very quickly where we don't worry a lot about spending time figuring out the path. We just launch and then course correct. And I'm not saying don't do any planning because that would be 
irresponsible, especially from launching a space shuttle. But just enough planning. So nobody has anything to say about that? Uh, no, I, I think that you're you're right on. There, There's not much to add to that comment. I mean, it's way easier to point the nose of that shuttle two degrees different than it is to point it 45 degrees different if you waited too long. This is the reason why artificial intelligence is going to rule the day, because that's exactly what we're teaching our computers to do is we're not going to just send them in one direction and give them a given, give them a set of a, a set of uh, steering directions, you know, go 40 feet then turn left. We're going to say, we're, we're telling them how to, uh, how to actually read the, the road and, uh, and steer. And because that's what we do with human beings. Exactly. We don't try and do the matrix thing where we jack into their brain and download the, you know, all, all the knowledge of the world. We give them just enough knowledge so that they don't kill themselves. Right. But if you figure out how to do that, it will make parenting a lot easier and I'm sure you could become rich. (laughs) Right. Sure. (laughs) I, I would, I would rather jack the knowledge of driving into my daughter's head than deal with the over course corrections that I have dealt with. We start with potty training, jack that knowledge into the brain, <laughs> and then just go from there. Oh, <laughs> I, there was a there was a follow on. Oh, I I wanted to do something. So there's, I'm going to do a call to action thing here. If you've listened to more than a few of our more than 100 episodes of This Agile Life, you know that we don't often read commercials on the show. And of course, this episode's no different. We don't have any commercials to read today. But I'd like to take a moment to thank all of our supporters that joined our Slack channel. On our Slack channel, we talk with our supporters about the things we face every day as we continue living our Agile lives. I'd also like to personally thank one of our supporters, Mr. Kevin Thiels. Kevin started supporting the show back in August of 2015. Kevin, thank you for your support. We feel honored that you listen to the show. If you want to join Kevin in our Slack channel, go to thisagilelife.com forward slash community, and you'll find all the information there that you need to get started. And for all of those people in our Slack channel that are listening, we're going to be recognizing each and every one of you through the course of the next however many episodes it takes to call your name out on this agile life. So keep listening and keep living this agile life. And there's so many, there's so many great people uh, that are really smart out on that Slack channel. And it is not us. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I usually learn a whole lot from him. Was Kevin the first person? No, Kevin was not the first person. He was just the first one that I chose. Oh, okay. To recognize. We've got many great people out there. I, I'm randomly choosing one for each coming episode to highlight and call out. So Kevin, congratulations. You're, you're supporter. Number one, that number one, number one. <laughs> what else do you guys want to talk about? Anything else about amplifying learning? I kind of dropped a bomb on you at the beginning of the show with amplifying learning. It wasn't something that you were extraordinarily familiar with, I guess in concept, right? But, or, or abstractly in terms of the words, but of course, in concept, you're very familiar with it. Uh, I would say that almost everything that we ever talk about on the show, other than people issues and how to deal with 
some of those conflicts and communication is, uh, is about amplifying learning. It is retrospectives. Those are amplifying learning. They're giving feedback sometimes on people issues, but you're getting that feedback and you're able to course correct. Hopefully earlier than later. This is why a lot of us have suggested having frequent retrospectives and not saying, Oh, we're just going to do that every two months. Um, it's because we want to correct early because it saves us a lot of time and money and helps us get where we want to go. Yeah. I think that, uh, it seems to me that we apply the, uh, amplifying learning on a daily basis, even to our personal lives. Um, so at least for me, uh, I've been trying to get more feedback on my performance just from the people that I work with and trying to correct that, uh, as quickly and often as I can. And so it's not just about software. It's, it's also about uh, what you do personally. Do you ever find that whenever you ask for feedback about yourself, that people are reluctant to give anything to you other than you're great? Um, yeah, it depends on how I ask it. Uh, it I have learned over, over, uh, the, over time how to correctly ask that question so that they don't feel like they're being put on the spot and they really actually do want, uh, they realize that I really do want uh, constructive stuff, not just the pat on the back. So how do you do that? Um, first off, I, I always say, I don't ask, Hey, can you give me some feedback or how am I doing? I always ask, um, do you think I could have done that better? And that question says, I don't want you to say, uh, you're, you're great. It says, what's the bad stuff that I, that I could, could have done better. And sometimes they kind of, Oh, I don't know. And, and they still have that issue, but I, I would say the percentage has gone down from about 80% that would look at me and just, Oh no, I, I don't have anything to tell you. Um, versus to about uh, maybe 20% that, uh, that now can't give me good answers. Nice. Uh, I, I want to say something about this because I've been thinking about this. I saw, uh, I watched this Ted talk about leadership and whatever, who it doesn't matter. But what that Ted talk did was it made me think about a couple of things and directly correlated to what Lee just said. One of the toughest things to do is to, for the very first time, give someone any sort of constructive criticism, whether it be on software that you're delivering continuously, whether, and, and especially if it's directly to a person, like if I'm telling Lee, I'm giving Lee constructive criticism for the first time, that's hard. So I had this idea, I'm going to bounce it off of you guys. And of course, all the listeners, and if anybody has any thoughts, please feel free to tell me about them. Here was what I wanted to do. I thought if I'm going to be a real leader of people, here's how I need to, here's how I need to do that. What I need to do is I need to tell people that I'm leading. I'm going to speak with you soon, maybe in the next day. What I want from you is one thing that you can tell me is constructive criticism. And I want it to be, I don't want it to be sugarcoated. I don't want you to say, Oh, you're too detail oriented or you spend too many hours in the office or, you know, something like that. I want you to really think about it. And I want you to think of 
what's the worst thing that I've ever done? And I want you to give me constructive criticism on it. And I'm going to tell people ahead of time so they can think about it. Because when you put them on the spot, I think Lee said it, it's hard, right? That first time is very hard. And then you sit down with that person privately. You tell them, okay, I'm ready. Lay it on me. Give me the, the constructive criticism. I'm your boss, but I want you to tell me about a negative thing that I've done and how I can do better. And then I give the person the chance to say that. And I, and I don't say the only thing that I say, I just let them talk. They say everything they want to say. Okay. They tell me all the stuff. And then at the end I say, you're right. Thank you. I'm going to think about this a lot. I really appreciate it. Shake their hand and you let them go. What do you guys think? Uh, I I think that's fantastic as long as you don't fire them afterwards. I'm not going to fire them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll I fire your ass. <laughs> I know. I know. I gave you some constructive criticism once and You're now fired. we don't work together anymore. <laughs> Good idea. Lee, what do you think? I don't know. I I have uh I have trouble actually giving people constructive criticism too, mainly because I generally see the good in people uh, way more than I see the bad. And even when I do see the bad, I, I generally think of it as, oh, that was just a, they, they had an off day or th- there was something else going on. You know, I don't really attribute it to them. And so it's really tough for me to, to, to give them constructive criticism. So, uh, uh, I, I think I, it is. I think it is. It is for everybody. It's not just for you, Lee. It is for everyone. Okay. But if I establish safety with you and I say, I'm telling you what, you tell me one time, tell me, give it to me. I want you to tell me something negative. John, you need to lose weight. John, you need, you need to wear deodorant into work more frequently. John, you need to, I don't know. I'm making up all this stuff, right? But you've you, got to, You've heard this, haven't you? Of course. But, you, but I'm tell, I tell Lee, I say, this is, this is not on you, Lee. This is on me. What I'm telling you is I want to be a better person, and I want your help, Lee. I want you. I'm look you I look you in the eye. I want you to tell me something negative. I want you to give me constructive criticism about how I can make your life better at the job. I I think it can definitely work, especially if you're, if you're direct about it like that. And, um, as long as they don't feel that you've got, uh, you know, as, as Amos put it, uh, noose around their neck that you could have them fired. Or even if, even if they think that you're going to be, uh, going to treat them differently, you know, Right. On a day-to-day basis. As long as they right. have that feeling, I think it'll work. And I think that if you, so you might be skittish at first. If you put yourself in those shoes, you might be skittish. You might be nervous. I can fire you. In my hypothetical situation, I can fire you. Okay. I'm the boss. You work for me. I can fire you. But you come in, you give me some weak sauce, bullshit. You work too many hours. And I say I that are you <laughs> and I'd say, I look at, I look uh, now I'll, I'll switch to Amos. I say, Amos, thank you. That's you're, you're, you're trying. I see that you're trying to give me constructive criticism. I recognize what you're doing there. That's not good enough. 
I want real constructive criticism. I want you to say something like, you can't trust me because in the past I told you, Amos, I promised you I was going to get you a new laptop last month. And then I gave you a hand-me-down laptop from somebody else. And you were mad about it, but you didn't tell me about it. I want something like that. I want real, honest feelings, constructive criticism. I want you to tell me exactly what you're feeling. And then when you tell me that, thank, I'm going to thank you. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be defensive. I'm not going to say, oh, well, it was because this, that, and the other thing. I'm going to say, you're right. You were honest. That's what I wanted. I'm going to work on my trust with you. Thank you. And I think once you've broken the ice like that, it might be a lot easier in the future, right? That's what you're getting at. You have to have that ice breaking moment. Yeah. A lot of people will not tell you the first time anything real because they're afraid. And there, there are some things that you can do to preempt all that fear um, that kind of seem unrelated. So I've had similar kind of things before. And where I got the most honest feedback is go like a week before and hand write somebody a letter, thanking them for the hard work that they do and call out like specific values that they bring to your team and then ask them like the next day. Uh, I, I disagree. I think if if you do that with me, I would feel like you were actually buttering me up so, yeah. because you wanted to get the good stuff. <laughs> well, that, that's I agree with Lee, but Lee also has the aversion to being singled out for recognition as well. So you have to be careful with that. I, I'm surprised you actually remember that, John. Of course, I remember that, Lee. Lee, you do a, a fantastic job. In Shut the hell up. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That, uh, here, here, here's what I insist. On. I, I want to insist on from now on on teams that I'm a part of that at least once a month we have a beer retrospective. It doesn't think, mean you have to drink. Well, it helps. <laughs> it helps because it's alcohol is liquid courage. Haven't you ever? You ever How much that? beer are you going to drink <laughs> at this thing? You just shot a tequila. You don't What's have to the worst thing that I've ever done to you. Oh no, you've never done anything wrong. Here's an, let's do another shot. <laughs> While you kid, that might be the best way to approach this initially, especially with, <laughs> with people that are somewhat introverted is to have a drink with them after work, allow their guard to relax and then ask them the question. What if, see you, what, what if you suck when you interact with other people in a, in a social setting? Like I do. That's, that's a lot harder, but I think it's something that you can, you can role play with a peer and you could, you could role play with a, maybe a coach. I'm not talking about like an agile coach, but like somebody that you trust where you could say, you know, I'm going to have this conversation. Can you and I role play this a little bit so that you can help me work out some of the, some of the roughness in my, because I know that I'm a little bit introverted and that I might have a problem starting that conversation. And so if you role play it a few times, sort of like a, a dress rehearsal in when you're acting out a play, have you ever been in a play Lee? I have. And, and you were nervous. 
Absolutely. Everybody's everybody's nervous. There's no one that goes out on stage for the play. No professional, you know, whoever it is, Brad Pitt and Matthew Broderick, when they step foot onto that stage, they have butterflies, but they've learned that those butterflies mean things and they expect them. So you have butterflies. I have butterflies when I talk to people, but you, you go through it and you kind of maybe memorize a few things. You have a few statements prepared in your mind anyway. And so you can maybe sort of automatically start that way. And then as the conversation progresses, you relax, they relax, and then you can just, you can just kind of riff. But I think it, it helps to do some, uh, some dramatization, some rehearsal, some dry running with like a coach like that. Have you guys ever done anything like that? Uh, Craig and I actually do that quite frequently. Um, we bounce a lot of ideas off of each other and uh, it, it works really well. Um, we've, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of specific examples, but I don't really want to say them because they're yeah, sometimes okay. related to other people. So I, I try stuff out on my wife. Like I'll say, I'm going to talk to this guy tomorrow and this is what I'm going to say. How would you feel about that? And it's not even a rehearsal. <clears throat> you know, I, I just, I just kind of dry run it. I'm going to do this. What do you think? She's like, oh, that's terrible. You know, I'm like, what if I said I, it like this? I, I do the same thing with my wife, but I guess it's less conscious. Uh, but I do. I, like every day that I go home, I, I talk to her about tomorrow. I need to talk to so-and-so or I need to do this and I'm going to approach it this way. What do you think? And, um, I, I really do that with her a lot in written communication too. She's an English teacher and she's like, uh, you just sound like an asshole. <laughs> Here's how you sound less like an asshole. <laughs> That's good feedback though. It's real good. Mm-hmm. Feedback. And honest. Do you think that that helps Lee with the way you feel about having those conversations? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think, you're you're right on. It's the right thing to do. I'm not sure if uh, if my personality lends itself well to that particular type of interaction, though. But that's that's a personal thing. So you and I have, if if you and I work together and and I'm the boss, we've had and tie it all back to what we started with. We've had some amplification of learning. I know that Lee has a personality type that doesn't fit well with having these sort of conversations. So maybe I take some different approaches with Lee. Maybe I ask Lee to fill out an anonymous survey or I ask the whole team to fill out an anonymous survey. Uh, or, or I send Lee a, an email that says, I really want you to be honest. I know that you are the kind of guy that likes to have time to think things through. Maybe you also don't want to look me uh, you don't want to have a face-to-face conversation about these things, but but Lee, I value your feedback. Therefore, I want you to send me an email and tell me what you think. What What are some approaches, Lee, that would would work with you? Um, I because I I'm probably on the opposite end of the spectrum there, in that I'm like, hell yes, let's do this, and I'll just tell you everything, and and I'm fine with it, but. I have I have a hard time relating 
in in these type of interactions whenever people aren't that same way. And before Lee answers, of course, this is not all about fixing Lee or or, ident- or saying that Lee has a problem. But we're, what we're saying is that there are people that also express these sort of traits that have these these inclinations in the real world. And we're just wanting Lee to help us talk through these things. Right, right. I want to know how if if I ever want to if I ever wanted to get some feedback from you, Lee, what would be what would be the best way to approach that? Be specific. So um, it's uh, and it doesn't it would actually make me more nervous if it was either a at a bar. Um, So if you're trying to be social and friendly, it feels fake to me. And so uh, and so that that worsens the situation or in a room alone. Right. But if you're just kind of on a couch in a semi open area, it doesn't have to have anybody else around, but just not in this enclosed space, then I'm much more likely to just kind of talk um, and not feel like uh, I'm being focused on, you know, and that's really, that's really kind of the key. Um, And then be specific about, um, how could I have done X differently as opposed to how can I give me some constructive criticism? Right. Give me some, give me something specific that you want uh, feedback on. And then I can do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you share some really important uh, ideas there, Lee, especially, especially because it it's difficult it's difficult to break the ice we already talked about breaking the ice but there are ways that that I could sit down with you where I could never break the ice right because of the the circumstances if i sat down right. with you in a large group of people i couldn't break the ice so you have to you have to kind of know something about the person already before you can even prepare to break the ice and that's tough I think that's really tough. And I think that's why you have to go at it from maybe a couple of different avenues initially and ask the person, I want your honest feedback. How do I, how do I get that from you? And then step back and let that person think about it and give you the answer rather than I take Lee out to for a beer. And that's not, that's not going to help any because that's not who Lee is. That's not the way his personality type works and, and reacts to what the feedback is that I'm giving him or the mechanism by which I'm trying to collect feedback from him. I, I've also tried, um, I had a team with a couple of people who I, I asked for some speech for, bleh, I can't talk very well. I just got Invisalign braces, so it makes it tough. Um, I, I had a team that I was having a hard time with a couple of people getting any feedback and I had tried pointed questions like, like you had said, Lee, and it didn't really work for them. They were just like, Oh, I don't know. Um, and so what I did was I had like a, a, basically a retrospective, but the entire retrospective was about how I suck and I could get better. And there was one person at the retrospective that I knew would just lay it out whatever they thought. So uh, I even talked to them a little bit ahead of time. That person that I knew would lay it out. 
And I was like, you know, I already know that you don't hold back very much, but just go all out and put myself in the room. And after that person kind of went all out and everybody saw that it was okay, I started getting some feedback from the people that were quieter. Hmm. And it was nice to have all of them would discuss like in front of me about like somebody would say, well, you do X and, and somebody else is like, well, not really. This is really what it is. And they would refine together what I actually needed to work on instead of maybe a confusion. There was like, oh, it's not really that it's this. And I didn't recognize that till somebody else pointed out that that's actually what it is. That I think you need to work on. Guys, I think we talked about two really important things on this episode. We talked about concept of amplifying learning. And initially, we started out talking about it as it relates to continuously delivering software, collecting feedback, and the progressive refinement of software until it's done or until it's good enough, as, as Amos said earlier. And then we morphed that conversation into progressive refinement as our as ourselves, progressive refinement of ourselves as individuals. And I think that's an interesting dichotomy and it's interesting how we got there and how we, how we trans transition through this conversation. But I think that we could all agree that we, we learned a lot of things here tonight as we talked about uh, amplifying learning. This week's hottest picks. And Amos, we're going to go to you. You're first this, this episode. All right, I have, I have two picks. Uh, my first one is an article from Katrina Owen called What's in a Name? Anti-Patterns to a Hard Problem. Uh, any of us who have been programming for a while have realized that picking the right name for uh, a method, an object, uh, anything can can be rather difficult. And she has some real practical advice and some real world examples of in different cases. And so it's a, it's a really good article. Uh, I have shared it actually on our internal community with everybody so that they could go read it. And it's, it's just been really good. Uh, and then the, I have a second pick tonight. I know I feel like Tice, I just keep picking things and adding them to the list, but it's only, uh, two. It's only two. I know, but Tice would have picked eight, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, is uh, I call it Keyboardio. It's Keyboard.io. It's a uh, a keyboard that hasn't actually come out yet. They're working with manufacturers right now, but I've ordered one. Um, it is Arduino compatible. Comes with the source code and a screwdriver, uh, and it's um, a little more ergonomic than the current one that I use. So I ordered one, and I'm really looking forward to it getting in. Good picks, Amos. Thank you. Uh, you know, one of the things I do with naming things is I give them like names with curse words in them <laughs> when I can't think of a good name because I know I'll come back and get rid of that curse word. Uh, be careful, though. Don't accidentally check that in. <laughs> um, I, I just keep a thesaurus open all the time. Very good. Uh, all my stuff that I can't figure out a name for is Wombat. Wombat. That's because I just like I just like saying wombat, and and it's easy to grep for or search for. Exactly. All right, Lee, what do you have for us? So uh, the first one I've got is I'm in the middle of uh, trying to learn Kotlin, 
uh, K-O-T-L-I-N. This is a, a new JVM uh, statically typed language. Um, so I'm still not certain whether I like it or not. Uh, it does have some some shortcut sort of things that uh, that are interesting. It's it can be a bit uh, functional uh, if you want it to be, um, but I'm still kind of evaluating it. So I would love to to see what other people think of it. So uh, that's my first pick, and uh, the other one is uh, John asked about uh, my shirt. So I have a link here for the airspeed velocity of, a, of an unladen swallow T-shirt from uh, Think Geek. All right. Good picks, Lee. Thanks. I'm going to order one of those shirts for myself tomorrow, <laughs> and then I'm going to find you when you're wearing it, and I'm going to show up <laughs> with the same shirt on just to embarrass you. I know how you'd feel about that. <laughs> All right. My picks, I've got a couple quick ones. I'm always looking for cool get tips. So as, as Amos uh, admonished me before the show started, my pick was called Get Hot Tips. And it's a couple of good ones. There's one really great one in there. When you find it, let me know. And I'll see if we agree if it's the same one. You can, And if you want to, you can get on the Slack community with us and, and, and talk about it there. But um, there's there's a couple of good ones in there, some that I wasn't aware of as well. Also, my last pick, uh, this year, for the second year in a row, I'm going to be at Agile and Beyond in uh, Michigan. This year, it's at this nice resort up there in Ypsilanti, Michigan, which I just love saying Ypsilanti. Right, Amos? You, how can you not go to a conference in Ypsilanti, Michigan? I kind of want to go, and I don't even care what the conference is about. You just want to be in Ypsilanti. I just want to tell people that's where I am. Hey, <laughs> I'm going to Ypsilanti, Michigan this week. I think I'm going to start naming all my stuff Ypsilanti rather than Wombat. There you go. Yeah. It's a fun word to say. It's better than Wombat. Please don't have any more children. I don't want you to name them Ypsilanti. (laughs) That's all their middle names. Oh, okay. So my talk is going to be a deviation on uh, a a lightning talk that I did a while back about no roles. And Amos, you actually have the perfect, you do the perfect uh, in a world voice. So I'm going to have you, I'm gonna, I need your help because I want you to like record an intro for me in my presentation where you do. All right. I'll, in make, a, sure, in a I'll world. make sure that I take out my new braces though, so that I don't list give, all the way through it. Give all the listeners a little example of your in a world voice. <laughs> in a world where John Sextro speaks in Ypsilanti. <laughs> That's perfect. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Check out thisagilelife.com for these show notes and for all of our past episodes. And as always, thanks for listening and keep living this agile life. This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.